Good morning church. Happy to be with you again on another very cold Sunday morning here in Kikuyu. Across the room is my wonderful wife, Rispa. She waves to greet you. And Stephanie also waves to greet you. Uh, we're happy to say that um, on our part we've been keeping well and we thank God for that. Welcome to today's sermon. We continue with the theme of um, mental healthiness. We felt that, um, one, because of the response which many of you gave after we gave the word last Sunday, and also the volume of information which was left pending, that it was necessary for me to carry on with this particular uh, word, which I strongly believe uh, is the word for the now. If there was a word for now, especially now, it is how to maintain a proper mental healthiness. How we manage within this crisis mentally will determine how we're going to step out of this and uh, how we, in what condition we're going to step out of it. So I uh, will be very quick so that um, we can be able to uh, finishing time. I have titled my sermon today The Jacob Generation. It's just a fancy title of um, trying to help interest you with the character and the person of Jacob, a man who was no stranger to crisis. In actual fact, as Englishmen would say, crisis would have easily be his middle name. From the time he came into the scene, we are aware that he competed very strongly with his brother and uh, he seemed to initially be losing that battle. And even when he seemed to be winning the battle, it cost him quite a setback. But I want to believe you know the story, so I will try to move and quote this man and his life and his challenges in respect to his brother, Esau, and see what we can glean or draw from the scriptures. First, I want to say that the Bible is written mostly in metaphors or parables and allegories. For one to get the message, oh, he needs to think through you need to pray through and also listen thoroughly. Ideally, when you're dealing with parables or metaphors, it means that there's always a hidden message behind the characters, behind the events, behind the narratives which you come across. Uh, reading Genesis 25 verse 23, the Bible says, And the Lord said to her, that is Rebekah, Two nations are in thy womb. And I want you to follow these words carefully. The Lord said unto her, Rebecca, two nations, two nations, could have said two children, said two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people, people shall be separated from thy bowels and one people not one child, one people shall be stronger than the other people 
and the older shall serve the younger. You find that scripture again in Genesis 25 verse 23, and I've used the King James translation um, in my reading. So I put in my notes that uh, note the words nations and manner. The word manner, M-A-N-N-E-R, the closely related word or synonyms would be category, type, kind, or breed. Rebecca was pregnant with two nations, put it differently, two types or breeds of people and not just two children. That is very important. Their manners and dispositions will differ from each other greatly, even as they grew. Their interests will clash and contend with each other. If you compare that scripture with Genesis chapter 5 verse 17, it says, For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Compare that. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. I'm reading Galatians 5.17. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. Life is one con constant contest and conflict between two kinds of two kinds or types of people because there are only two nations on the face of the earth surprised we have the jacob nature jacob kind of people always warring against the eso nature the eso manner breed or type of people. If you read 2 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, 2 Samuel 3 1, the Bible says, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted, and in my notes here I have bolded it, a long time. David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul weaker and weaker. 2 Samuel 3, 1, uh, King James translation. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul weaker and weaker. The war we are highlighting here, church, is never won in a day. It is a long drawn war. Where one opponent grows steadily strong, the other grows steadily weaker. And maybe this is a good point for me to ask you, who is winning this conflict in your life? Who is winning this conflict in your life? A story is told of an old Cherokee, that's a North American Indian, who was teaching his grandson about life. And I quote, 
A fight is going on inside me, he said. It's a terrible fight. And it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger. One is evil. He is anger. Envy. Sorrow. Regret. Greed. Arrogance. Self-pity. Guilt. Resentment. Inferiority. Lies. False pride. Superiority and ego. He continued, The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. And so let me help you with the answer to the question which I asked you by asking you another question. Which of the two are you feeding? The Jacob breed, the Esau breed. Therefore, church, the Jacob and Esau story should not just be viewed as a historical story or narrative, rather as a story of Christianity itself. The unfolding events between these two twins gives us insight into the internal conflict all of us have to deal with. I think it's important I go that, I take that again. The unfolding events between these two twins give, gives us insight into the internal conflict. Mark my words again, this, uh, this is an internal conflict all of us have to contend or to deal with. It is not surprising that the brothers, though twins, and having the same environment, remember they grew up in that same environment, they had the same roots and were exposed to similar mentorship, same parents, turned out so different. And you can compare that story with the narrative of Cain and Abel. In the book of Genesis, the story of Cain and Abel also is a good case in point. I'll kindly note that nature, which is spelled N-U-R-T-U-R-E, nature. Nature rather than nature. Nature is N-A-T-U-R-E. Nature rather than nature is the primary molder of human personality. Nature rather than nature is the primary molder of human personality. And if you remember last Sunday, we were talking about uh, self-image molders. And uh, we mentioned a couple who will be continuing with the same, um, you know, when we, when we'll be doing our Bible study later. But nature rather than nature is the basic, the primary, the very, you know, fundamental molder of human personality. Romans 9, 11, verse 13, speaking of the two children again, says, the children, I mean, Romans 9, 11, verse 13, 
the children not yet being born, not yet being born, not having done good or evil, that the purposes of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is, as it is written, Jacob I loved, I loved, Esau I hated. Jacob I loved, very strong statement indeed. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. God who knows, and follow this closely, God who knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, guided by his own purpose and counseled by his own wisdom and insight, doing everything after the counsel of his own will according to Ephesians 1.11, the all-wise God with all-seeing eyes knew way before, knew that nature, that is a bringing exposure and training, would never change the nature, the makeup of Esau. And it is from such depth that God uses the strong language, Esau, I hate it. Esau, I hate it. God is not a respecter of persons, I put in my notes here, church. He is not emotionally driven. He can't be held at ransom. He has no favoritism, nor can he be bribed. Though one might be the oldest, like Esau was the first amongst the twins, he is not necessarily the eldest, and I put that in a way to say that um, maybe the word may not fit in exactly, but at least for the sake of the sharing, you may need to consider the fact that he is older, he is not necessarily the eldest. Eldership, if you read First Timothy, especially chapter 5, you can zero on verse 17, is not a function of age, but of responsibility, discernment, and obedience. The Bible will talk about the elder should be of this quality. The elders amongst you should be or should behave or act in a certain manner, meaning that eldership in the context of what we're sharing today, is superior to eldership. If you remember when we were sharing about David and Goliath, especially the duel in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, uh, one of the points which we drew from there was that it is not about age because David is much far younger than Goliath. Goliath is described as a soldier from his youth up. And David is described as a youth. Goliath has been fighting from his youth up. So he can only be much more mature than a youth. David is referred in that uh, scripture, portion of scripture, as a youth. So we say that it is not about age, it is about sage. Sage is a fantastic word, an old English word for wisdom, prudence. So, though the older 
and hence the inheritor, that is Esau, of his family name and lineage, Esau, by foolishness and impulsiveness, lost to Jacob. That is very important for us to appreciate. He is the heir in waiting. He is the person with the firstborn blessing. But because of foolishness and impulsiveness, he loses to Jacob. Please beware of this kind of breed. Because this is how we lose. This is how we fail to manage in moments of crisis. Philosophy is defined as a system of beliefs, concepts, and attitudes of an individual. These systems or this system of beliefs can be a womb, W-O-M-B, can be a womb bathing greatness or it can also be a tomb, T-O-M-B, tomb, kaburi, barring life's best sons and daughters. These beliefs, this set of beliefs, this system of beliefs, this mentality, these concepts and attitudes that we hold on to, and we were talking about it last Sunday very, very strongly on minding our rules, which are basically our mentalities and our philosophies. If you read uh, Psalm 78, verse 40 to 42, there's a portion there of scripture. If you read from verse 40 to 42, there's a part there that says that the Israelites succeeded in limiting the Holy One of Israel. One of the most um, touching scriptures. That they, 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 they succeeded. They, they limited God. That he was unable to operate within that environment. If you remember Jesus going back to his village where he was born and raised up. And the scripture says that he could there, when you take time later to read the scriptures, I'd like you to look at that part that says he could there, T-H-E-R-E, in that place he could there do no mighty works. So it is not that he could not do mighty works. It is there he couldn't do no mighty works. Why? They were asking the question, is this not Joseph's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters here with us? Is he not the carpenter? So really, what would you be expecting from a carpenter? They, they, they succeeded, they short-circuited God's power by reducing him to a carpenter and, Jake and Joseph's son. They didn't see him as the savior. They didn't see him as a miracle worker. They saw him as a carpenter. And obviously, that paralyzed was the reason why he could there do no mighty works. Apotinma notes that with or without conscious knowledge, and this is important, with or without conscious knowledge, we are all products of some school of thought, some philosophy, or some belief. I came across a statement way back when I started out in my Christian life, and this man said, we are products of what we have learned 
from all the teachers that have taught us. And those teachers could be formal in a classroom setting or it could be informal. It could be social schooling. Whatever it is, we are products of what we have learned from all the teachers that have taught us. So it is it's always good to go back and look at your reservoir of belief systems because they've been built over time. I put in my notes again that we are all the sum total of an identity that is deeply embedded within us and constantly finds expression in our environment. Constantly find expression in the environment, in our actions and in our behaviors, habits and upbringing. That is to me very, very, very important. You can't hide for so long. You know, if you know the scriptures, you would probably remember the place and point where Peter followed Jesus when the soldiers took him to crucify him. And the Bible says that the night before when they took him, they set up a big fire and uh, they were interrogating Jesus. And Peter, the Bible says, went and began to warm himself in the fire together with the soldiers and other people who were around there. And one of the persons there said, you, talking to Peter, you are one of them. You, you are one of the, this man's disciples. And Peter vehemently, you know the story, vehemently refused, saying, no, I don't know this person. But what I like about that part of scripture is what the Bible says that after Peter has succeeded in vehemently denouncing Christ, a young lady, King James, I think he says, a damsel, a lady, a girl, she, came, she said, look, even your accent betrays you. Even your accent betrays you. You, you can't hide for so long. It, it, it's coming out that this is where this is the this is the place where you have been bred from. It spills over even unwittingly, even without the person being aware. This identity charge, this identity programs our entire thinking and approach to a point of forming our strongest and most controlling beliefs. Very key. This belief subtly begins to construct limitations within and thus start narrowing the space of our operation. We eventually get accustomed to operate in this confined space. We justify why we have that limited thinking, that thinking of inadequacy. We justify it. We we the, the confinement begins to produce a vocabulary where we are now telling people why our dreams and our horizons and why we cannot be able to meet our objectives and our goals. So it is a process. And we need to go back to the place where it all started, the belief systems and the mentalities which we have allowed to harbor within ourselves because eventually and inevitably they will begin to find expression in our lives in a very, very um, strong way. Esau traded away God's lifelong gift. Can you imagine? He traded God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite, hunger. 
He is acutely short-sighted. And this is a character of an ESO people. He never plans on the long term. He has no grasp of the big picture. No grasp of the big picture. Remember Jesus? The Bible says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Big picture. The word of God says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. They would strip him and they would endure the shame. They would beat him up. He would endure because of the joy that is set before him. And I think this is important if you're going to enter into this space that I'm calling a Jacob generation. Esau represents a person living in the flesh. He never learns the life-molding virtues of self-control. Never learns the life-molding virtues of self-control. Cannot control himself. He has no temperance. He doesn't understand the concept of delayed gratification. That yes, church, there are times we're going to sacrifice the present because of a better future. He is a slave of the sensual. He is a slave of the seen and the natural. He is totally at the mercy of the flesh and the temporal. His appetites are way out of line. He even exaggerates and says that he will die if he does not eat from the... He doesn't eat the pottage. He doesn't eat. He comes in so hungry and he says, you've got to feed me. And he exaggerates by saying that by missing that one meal, he says he's going to die. He is deeply impulsive and this is what we are avoiding. This is the exact opposite of a Jacob people. He is impulsive. He doesn't, he doesn't think through what he's doing. He acts on the... On the on the spur of the moment. He is impetuous. He is hasty. No caution. No thought. He is rash. He is unpremeditated. He, he does not meditate through an issue. He acts without the benefit of thought. He lacks discipline and patience. To be a Jacob people, to be a Jacob nation, we must avoid all these horrid qualities, which I must say are the order of the day which we are living today. We must cease to live for the moment and begin to see the spiritual to see the big picture, to see the God picture for our lives. We must be capable, church, of disciplining our appetites and denying our desires for some moment, be able to allow the spirit, the spirit man to grow, 
the spirit man to flourish. This is so key, especially in a moment and a time like the one we are living in today. A time when it takes grit, courage, it takes strength, and it takes all the principles that the Word of God has encouraged us in so that we can be able to maintain our mental healthiness at a time when many people sadly are sinking because they're incapable of holding out, waiting out. What a moment and what a time for us to bring out these great qualities of Jacob. Because of time, I will stop there. Hopefully, at a different time, we'll be able to share a little more on the Jacob qualities. But if you look at what Esau is, that is exactly what Jacob is not. And that is what the Word of God is encouraging us to be. May the Almighty God bless you. It is, it's been indeed a wonderful experience being at home with these wonderful people. My family are always at my topmost in my concern and it's never a dull moment when I'm with them. I want to believe that you also will be looking across the room and seeing those people who matter to you and spending this quality time because this may be one of those very rare moments to know each other, to share with each other and to grow together. So once again, may God richly bless you. Have an excellent week and hopefully by God's will, we shall talk again next week at a time like this. Thank you. God bless you all.